Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 35. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse 3, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison. He said to him, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing, not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me, from the pulpit to the pew. We all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. In honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, today I'm speaking with Arnika Best, better known as Nikki. I met Nikki several years ago. She reminded me I was her Sunday school teacher. She was a track star in high school, and since then, she's gone to college, married, divorced, had two children. We never know what the future holds, and Nikki for sure has had some ups and downs, but she has come out of this on the other side and living a full life. Nikki is also a breast cancer survivor, and as I've virtually watched her go through this battle, I see someone who's stronger and looking forward to a bright future. I'm excited for you to meet her. So without further ado, welcome, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on this. It's so wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'll, Let me thank always you. teach it. <laughs> I like that. I, you know, and I love teaching and I never, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a teacher and never thought that would happen because I ended up in the uh, corporate arena. But now I'm able to do it and I'm actually doing, um, I'm facilitating at a seminary. So who knew that the Lord would work <laughs> it that way? So let me thank you for your willingness to do this podcast with me and just say as I've had the opportunity to witness you primarily virtually uh, and through virtual media, you know, although we I've known, uh, known you for several years because we visited, you know, you visited our church. And so I've watched you and watched you raise your children and just a fantastic mom and um, just full of energy. So I've been inspired by you. I believe your journey, our discussion today is going to provide hope and help to someone listening to trust in God and how to move forward when life gets challenging. So let's get started. And, you know, since we're talking about, and this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, since we're talking about that, why don't you kind of share with our listeners uh, your journey and how all this started? Because you think about it, and I'm going to be quiet in a minute since this is supposed nope. to be a dialogue, but <laughs> usually someone who's athletic, takes care of herself, you would think that, oh, okay, I'm fine, I'm healthy. So talk to us about your journey. Well, that is exactly what I was thinking. You know, I'm pretty healthy. I eat pretty well. Um, I've been an athlete, so a lot of that. I turned 40. That's how it started. I, I turned 40 in 2015. I went in and then scheduled my mammogram. Had to fight for it because they moved the age, the minimum base range age from 35 to 40 that like previous years. And just like most people, it's like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, getting checks and things like that. Um, I have no family history of breast cancer, so I had no reason to, you know, even think, you know, anything other than this is a screening. And you were like, doing no self-checks as well before? I was doing my monthly self-checks. Uh, Feel it on the first was the theme that I followed. And um, self-checks, no lumps, no bumps, mm -hmm. no anything out of the ordinary. Um, For so, those listening, when you said fill it on the first, explain that so that they will understand <laughs> what that means, because I think I got so, it. <laughs> breast Cancer Awareness Month or Breast Cancer Awareness in general, you know, you go to your um, your female doctors or your gynecologist and 
Um, they say, do your monthly self-checks. And most people, there's a theme out there somewhere I saw a long time ago that someone threw out, feel it on the first, which means doing your, feeling your breath, doing your self-checks on the first of each month. Um, Channel 19 used to throw, you know, throw things out to doing it on the 19th. So I was remembering the feel it on the first. So okay. I always did that checking, you know, for any lumps or anything um, in my younger days and um, scheduled my screening. Mm-hmm. Like most um, women, some women forget, which is why um, after all of this journey, it's one of those things that I do. I'm definitely a big proponent for because early detection has saved lives. They are not lying. I am a witness to that and um, here to share that. Um, so I went in and had my mammogram. I actually had mine in one of the mammogram vans that came to my job. Um, you see them right around town. One of them says um, 15 minutes in here could save your life. Um, since my journey, I've said 15 minutes in there did save my life. Um, I got the 3D mammogram, paid a little bit extra for because insurance didn't cover it. I say all this to say I went through a little bit of extra just to make sure I'm checking. A few days later, I get a call from um, a hospital. I mean, they check all the um, results. And as many of us younger women, Black women in general, we're told we have very dense breasts. So I need you to come back and we need to do a diagnostic ultrasound. We need to check, check a little further. Nothing to be concerned about because this is all normal, you know, things that people do um, because of the dense breast tissue, you being pretty young. Um, in doing that, they saw something else that looked to be um, a mass, but they don't mention it. They're just kind of like, okay, we're, we're looking for something else. Um, we need to schedule you a biopsy. Of course, at this point, I'm still going with the flow. You know, it's it's normal. These are all within range. I'm getting checked. The whole point, purpose of a screening is to get checked. I have no breast cancer history in my family. So again, I have no reason to believe this is going to lead to that. Um, after the biopsy, um, they pulled me into the room to share the results. And the initial diagnosis was DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. They basically say, this is the best kind of breast cancer because it's not spreading. It's inside, it's encapsulated. But I didn't have any tumors. I didn't have any lumps. So in filling, you know, checking monthly, I would have never found it because I didn't have any lumps. I had microcalcifications, which are very small precancerous cells kind of sort of. Um, but in hindsight, I was advised um, to get a second opinion. You know, think about that. We've been told this. And so I get a second opinion a few days later. Um, and that second opinion, doctor found a lump in my sentinel node under my arm. And she was determined that it had been um, a different form of breast cancer that had spread to my lymph nodes. After a biopsy and everything else of that, there was confirmation that I was stage two breast cancer. How did you feel? Um, and I know you're a strong Christian. How did you feel when you got that kind of diagnosis, especially when you took great care to take care of yourself and and that. It it has to, you know, how did you feel? I would say the first, you know, initially I've had knee surgeries. One of my children was born uh, natural. You know, so the the first conversation about it, when they first mentioned it, you hear that word ductal carcinoma. I know that's cancer. Um, I felt for me, because my faith is very strong, pretty confident at that point. I was, you know, pretty comfortable. I wasn't as shocked and, you know, people talk about being scared and this, that, and the other. And 
I don't recall being that way initially. I do. Re- I remember the nurse navigator calling me like every hour on the hour until someone else was at home with me because she wanted to make sure I was okay. And I was feeling okay. Um, I think at that point was when I felt that faith that surpasses all understanding. It was just pure faith that, okay, God's got me. They're telling me it's decent, it's good, it's a surgery. We're going to have, um, you know, a mammogram, a mastectomy, or, you know, surgery, and it'll be gone. That's so your what faith I was, was not shaken during that. Not at that point. It wasn't until I got the second opinion and was told, you're going to have to go through chemo. Mm. And chemo is the unknown. And a lot of faith, and, you know, is in things you can't see and don't know, but I think that was the first time I cried about it, that I remember, you know, getting emotional and kind of shaken a little bit. You know, I was kind of like, okay, God, you know, but, you know, the question of the why me's when people ask those questions, for me, it was trying to look for introspection. What is this about? And it was very clear. I'm a talker. I'm a sharer. I'm a researcher. Black women are the leading people. You know, we, we when we get cancer, we're more likely to die of it. Mm-hmm. And I had heard all of these facts over the years. I was a big breast cancer awareness supporter. So ironically, in getting it, it was like, okay, God, what's this about? You know, what's the journey? I've always had that question. You know, when it's something, you go through something, there's a reason for it. What's my reason? So in it, it was, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share and not a lot of people do. They keep it to themselves. They hold it back. They don't want to talk through it. They just suffer in silence and keep it moving. Not me. Mm-hmm. I was talking about it. I was going to talk about it. And I think that's why this was my journey. So once I pulled it up and pulled it together and got the message of what I needed to do as far as chemo and what was the next steps and um, started doing the research, then it became game on. And my faith was back where it was. And that's really one of the things that drew me to follow you on Facebook and Mm -hmm. other medias, because I kept seeing this woman who was dealing with something that a lot of people would deem catastrophic. But when I would watch you, I saw a person that was like, no, I'm not going to succumb to this. I'm going to trust God in this and I'm going to keep moving forward in this. How did your family handle all of that? Because you're very positive and you went in with the mindset of, you know, for God, I live for God. It's like, okay, this this is what God, this is the hand I've been dealt. And so, and I want to ask, I have so many questions. Like, (laughs) what do you say to people who want to blame God or yell at God? But let's first talk about how did your family deal with this? Let's see. Immediate family. My, um, at the time I was married. And, um, so you know, and telling my husband at the time, it was again, you're, you set the tone, you know, when you diagnose with something like that. And of course they've got their own things to deal with the, uh, what we say, I say, I had a glimpse at death and, you know, you got a glimpse of your own mortality is definitely something that is heavy, but the glimpse of it from the view of the people around you, um, you go through a battle of things, you know, you want to hold on tight, but you're also kind of like preparing to let go in some respects. So, you know, I think I set the tone. So knowing that I was feeling good and I'm doing good and I'm, you know, gird up for the battle, it was okay. We're going to support. Um, my children at the time, um, were 15 and 13, almost 13. And so I have a daughter, younger daughter and older son, and 
we basically share it with them. You know, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we talked through it, gave them room to share their feelings and to share with others. I think that right there is one of the hardest things is when you hold it to yourself and don't tell people and then your family has to hold it too. That's a lot. I think that's that for me, we shared it with the schools so that they knew what the children might be dealing with because it was unknown. I mean, I was stage two at that point, um, planning to, you know, it's in my bloodstream now, it's in my lymph nodes, and I have to do all this chemo and then radiation. And so the journey was long and surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, I, I, I think, because she went with me to a lot of my um, my um, treatments, and she was always like, I don't want to know. If I had it, I wouldn't want to know. So I could, I found that she was like, I was giving her more strength and she is one of the most faithful Christians I know. And yeah, even in the midst of that, she was like, you know what, you've made my faith stronger. You've, you know, given me a different glimpse and a different look at how to fully trust God and keep moving with life. Mm-hmm. And so friends, I had people start bawling in front of me. I felt like I was consoling them more than, you know, it was, I've had friends that stay away because every time they looked at me or came to talk to me, it was too hard for them because the cancer, the C word, you know, what mm-hmm. you struggle going through, people don't know. Uh, no one knows. They don't know how to deal with it. Right. Um, so I wanted to kind of set that stage. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest time you had um, with sharing with the children? Were there tears? Were there, was there hurt, a lot of misunderstanding? I mean, how? Definite tears. A lot of it was when I was um, going through the chemo and the reactions of the side effects. I spent a lot of time on the recliner because laying in the bed was just too hard, especially during surgeries. Um, so little solace time, but they would come and hang with me and sit with me and talk with me. But I can say you know, that probably was probably the hardest part is not knowing because you can't, you know, there's really not many ways to um, to help someone feel better in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like I said, it's more on me. Um, I did call in my prayer partners. Um, I initially, before I told the masses, I, a friend of mine is an elder and, you know, her, um, uh, he and her, a friend of mine, she and him have, have super prayer partners and another one. And him being an elder, I asked to come and say, call for the elders. So he came, he anointed me and they prayed over me. And, um, and then from there, told the rest of the family and other people. So mm-hmm. so the family of faith really did come together and they held you up. And that's what we're yeah. supposed to do. And you're quoting scripture and said, if is there any sick among you, call for mm-hmm. the elders of the church who anoint you. And yeah, and that's yeah. what they've done and that uplifted you. Now, yeah. you were married at the time you got your diagnosis. Did yeah. that influence your divorce or was there you know, underlying, you think that just, put a face on things that were not, you know, uh, obvious. Yeah. You know, being married, I was married at the time. So uh, at the time of the divorce, a couple years ago, it was 21 years. So at that time, we're looking at right at 20 years of marriage, um, five years cancer free. Thank God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, you have your marriage issues, communication, a lot of different things. And, um, like I said, getting that glimpse at your own mortality kind of changes a little bit of how you accept and what you're willing to do and not do. And in basic communication we had had over the years of 
happiness and not happy, or, you know, I want to do this or not that, just a lot of the back and forths. And ultimately, uh, it was decided that we were not going to continue to be um, in the, the marriage space because it was just too difficult. And it was too hard for both of us. We both needed to, um, you know, go our separate ways. And while I might have been prior to breast cancer, more likely to kind of fight that fight, you know, it was like, mm, if he's not happy, I'm not going to hold him hostage. Mm-hmm. There's so much that I want to do, you know, things in your life that you wanted to do and think about doing. You're like, someday, someday, someday. Breast cancer just made me say, no, not someday, because you never know. Mm-hmm. I just got a whole um, diagnosis that, you know, my life could be over. They told me point blank, if I had not checked um, and got that mammogram at 40, I wouldn't have been there. The type of cancer I had that had already moved into my lymph nodes was uh, invasive and aggressive. Yeah. And, and that's so, really a good point. And I hope those that are listening at that age are doing, you know, the being very proactive and making sure they're doing the self exams and talking to their doctors and making sure they're taking care of themselves. Would you say that you live differently now after this versus the way you lived before? Because you lived a pretty exciting life from what I could see. Before I did, I would say... Breast cancer made it so much easier to just make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been an adventurous person. I want to try all new things. I'm riding roller coasters. I got this whole list of places. And my list is not a bucket list. It's places to go and things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've updated it to call it just my whole adventure list. Mm-hmm. There's things I want to do in life. And I've had those, you know, we've all had them. But after breast cancer and then more, you know, more so after divorce, it was, okay, I'm not holding back. Why, why wait? You know, mm-hmm. there's no need to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, guy got me through this. I used to tell the kids and they laugh because even in that preteen age and teenage age, they still try you on things. And uh-huh. despite breast cancer and being a survivor and all that other great things, they're still kids. They're still going to be who they are. And mm-hmm. I used to say, uh, God didn't save me from breast cancer to die from stress because of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I think about that. There's like literally a whole saying, and I see it now other places too. It's like, no, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm not wasting time on that. No. Um, Was there ever a time during any of all of your journey that you were fearful? Like I said, I think the unknown of the chemo. Mm-hmm. That for me, and I, I try to remember every piece of what I did to make it better, to make it um, um what is it? The, the, the gruelingness of it, the heaviness of it, because you don't know. You don't know how it's going to respond. Um, your hair is going to fall out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know your hair falls out everywhere, which was the other thing. Like, <laughs> freaking, you lose your eyebrows. You lose. OK, you know, we got hair. it. We got it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't tell you that people. You just see the hair gone on their head. It's like, no. And I didn't realize so much of my identity for me. I I had eyebrows and I say, God, because people be like, who did your eyebrows? Who arched them? I'd be like, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so now you'll see me. I still put them on because right. I'm not used to seeing my face without eyebrows and uh-huh. they're very thin. Um, so the fear was more, I would say, the unknown of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a part of time where I felt really, really big urging from God to write letters to my then husband and my children before I went in for the mammogram, I mean, mastectomy. I did end up having a double mastectomy with reconstruction and radiation. Um, So before the big surgery, I mean, it's a big, long surgery um, when they do the mammogram, Mm -hmm. I mean, the mastectomy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
God had kept telling me, just write them, you know, just to be, I guess, more comfortable for them, um, but also for me to get out my feelings and thoughts and, you know, everything for them. I remember writing one of the last of the letters to them, notes, messages, um, in the car, on the way to the hospital, <laughs> because I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bring it to myself. Um, one of the other things that I, I share with people to remember, get life insurance. You know, you hear it and people see it. They say GoFundMe is not a life insurance policy. Get life insurance. You need help. I have someone that can help you get some life insurance. She's really good. And you need a will. Um, I, well, wills are good. Mm-hmm. I would say wills are definitely, but life insurance, I'd say it because at 40, who would have expected that I had breast cancer? Mm-hmm. I am now in a state of um, uninsurable for the most part or not being able to get the type of insurance that I currently have because I had gotten life insurance at 30. Mm-hmm. You know, me and my husband at the time was like, oh, no, we need to get this, get our wheels set, get everything set. And it was a big urging for me early on at between 25 and 30 to get this done. Mm-hmm. And I had it in place. Um, so at 40, coming down with breast cancer, it was like, thank God I got that. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful that it was a big urging to do that. So um, I would say, yeah, fear. I, I'm not afraid of too many things. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother talked about that for a long time. She has a really good relationship with Christ. And whenever she's frustrated, she's ready to go meet her maker. Mm-hmm. And I grew up hearing her talk about death a lot. And so that has never been something that I was fearful of. It's the unknown of most some things. I mean, I've, I've ridden roller coasters on the top of the stratosphere in Vegas and the tallest roller coasters in the world and, you know, bungee jump and um, rock climb and mm-hmm. <laughs> hike and um, kayak, I, I am very active. And so I don't see being afraid of a lot of things, but for me, it was the unknown. You know, when um, we think about our faith, we often think of people that helped or influenced us. And you talk about your mom a lot, but how do you get the kind of faith you have now? I mean, the, 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 the kind of faith that you convey the, the way and what you have gone through, it's kind of like an enviable place for people that may not have a relationship with God. I mean, how did yes. that relationship form? Um, I I talk about my mom a lot. So a lot of love and faith has been, you know, the, the I would say the through line from my mother. Um, I was introduced to Christ early um, at, Southern, at Southern Baptist here in Cincinnati. Um, going back and, you know, to the teachings of you and your husband and, you know, seeing people like you guys and my mother and others that just continue to walk through life and mm-hmm. deal with things and having that inevitable leaning on this mysterious person being all power. Um, I, I said, I don't know how I got through breast cancer without, it. I don't know how people do mm-hmm. personally. I, I having the, um, I have a friend that wrote prescription quote unquote, prescription for me. Um, and it was, it's a, a bottle. She took a old pill bottle and filled it up with scripture. Yeah, I've had um, someone do that before. And yeah. so yeah. amazing. The word, um, you have to put the choice on something else. If you don't, I mean, people have their higher powers. They have, you know, the universe. For me, it's the son of God, it's Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, seeing people continue to go through and get through. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest um experience you had with God through that? Because you know how some people have those epiphanies. Did you have anything mm-hmm. like that? Was there one situation where you knew God was holding you? In the hospital, getting ready for the port. Okay. Um, 
that's a surgery that I, I kind of like, I think I blanked on it when I think about surgeries. I had to have a port put in because of the type of chemo I was going to get with damage or arteries and veins and things. And it just made it for easier access to have the medicine put straight, straight into your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. But I called it my frenemy because I really didn't want this port. It's connected directly to your heart. You know, blood pumps all through your body from your heart. And this vessel, this piece of equipment was going to be put in my chest, connected to my heart. And I could, I, I know that was one of the, I, if you talk about fear, now that I think about it, I think I blanked it out. <laughs> I gave that one to God and let it go. Okay. Um, but yes, laying in the hospital waiting for that, I had a lady come in and she did, um, I forget what the name of what they call it, but it's. It's basically a prayer. They come over and they kind of pray over you and anoint you from head to toe. And they, I forget, it's like an energy force. Okay. Um, hospitals offer it, some, you know, do. And yeah. I just remember laying there and yeah. having that moment where I just had to fully succumb to God in the midst of this journey that's about to happen. And you actually that's, felt him, his presence yes. in some form? Yes. That calm came and, you know, even every, if it was right, if the fear would rise up, the calm came. In the midst of that. You know, when you say you blanked out, I think um, when you convey, it's like, I said, God, you got to do this one. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I can't, yeah. I, I, I've done all this other stuff and I'm trusting, but I can't, mm-hmm. this one you've, you've got to take. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you talk to someone who may have just received a, a diagnosis of breast cancer or someone who feels that their life is done? What would you say to them? Having just done this, I have a friend that is starting her journey now. I saw it and virtually and, you know, she is a woman of faith, which is helpful. Um, But I've also talked to women who aren't in that same, you know, area, but, you know, leaning and not leaning on others. First of all, I think it starts there Mm -hmm. because in order to lean on this unknown being, you got to be able to first give it to someone else. And being able to lean on others is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we there's a lot of um, organizations that have the motto, no one travels this road alone when you're going through breast cancer, because the goal is for that. Right. Um, and I would say I did that a lot early on when I was asking questions and doing the research and really focusing on that. But I also try to be that person to someone else starting the journey. And then in the midst of that, you know, yeah, you got me, but I know in those quiet times and the times when you're at home and you're feeling the nausea and you're feeling the this and you're thinking about this diagnosis and this battle, you, in my opinion, is best to lean on God and just give it to him. Were there ever times that you were just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm tired, I just can't. Did you ever have those kind of feelings at all? No. And, and again, I can be certain of that. Yeah. No, yeah. I... I was driven to continue to lean on God, give it to him, have the faith that this was just another surgery and another journey. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to take in everything that I needed to do. And he kept bringing people to me. Mm -hmm. I I met a woman who was a two-time breast cancer survivor that founded an organization called Mommy Has Breast Cancer. Mm -hmm. And I am on the board for that now and help with the communications chair and director for that and um, continue to help other women and mothers going through and so our, the organization supports them. I am on the Department of Defense's Consumer Review Board for um, women um, who are who are breast cancer survivors or families. And so I sit on panels with microbiologists and biologists who try to help find cures. And that's the goal is to 
eradicate breast cancer. Um, so sitting on those panels yearly and doing that as much as possible as I have in the last five years has been um, another avenue for it, as well as just from putting it on my page. Like you said, I've been very vocal on social media about it. Um, I know for a fact that at least two women have found a breast cancer from seeing my post and subsequently going to get checked. Mm-hmm. So um, those that kind of thing is something that, you know, it's like, no, no, I can't think of a time where I was like, uh, this is too much. You remind um, me of uh, Robin Roberts always says, uh, ABC correspondent says her mother always used to say, everybody's got something and make your mess your message. And um, <laughs> while we don't consider breast cancer a mess, it's something that you didn't, you know, fully engage in to cause yourself yeah. to have it. But what ended up happening is that, okay, I could be silent about this or I can talk about it. Do you think yeah. there's strength when you talk about the adversity we face? I think so. I think so. I, I think a lot of things are hidden in the unspoken, mm-hmm. honestly. I think a lot of things are hidden in that. Um, speaking about it, talking about it, especially talking about the adversity, you give someone else a nugget. Robin Roberts gave us the nuggets. Right. Um, she was another beacon for me. I, I have a picture of her shortly after her second battle that she went through with her Where body. She that bone marrow transplant. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I have a picture of her shortly after that at an awards program where she just looked absolutely fabulous. And I was determined that's going to be me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> What you After do everything is truly, she went through, look at her. She looks amazing. And that's the thing. We can <laughs> encourage each other by holding each other up and not, you know, trying to diminish or envy or anything like that. And um, I just think it's really neat when someone really is raw about their situations and puts it out there. I, I'm, I'm not usually a fan of social media, although that is a way to communicate. And the social media platforms that I have engaged in uh, most often the stories are all everything's well and the beautiful pictures and all yeah. of that. And what I loved with yours is that it was honest and it was raw. It's like, yeah, there's some good because I see you having fun on this side. But I mm-hmm. also saw, I think there was a picture one time with your mom with you in your last chemo treatment. <laughs> so you can see I really was watching you. I'm a stalker. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I may not say anything, but I'm watching. Yeah. But yeah. That's um, right. Right. I posted after I shaved my hair. I um, saw I that. I that to people because mm-hmm. I remember a person telling me in the midst of a journey, um, there's an organization called the Young Survivors Coalition. And one of the ladies in that organization was talking about how after her second treatment, she was in the bathroom and she went to brush her hair and her hair was just falling off and just coming down in big clumps of it into the bathroom. And they're like, her advice was get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. And so she had this picture of her and I've met people I followed who had went through cancer at this or, um, you know, event or convention that they had. And, you know, she went and she took a video of her shaving her hair off. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought about that when I was going through and was like, okay, so into my treatments, I go to scratch my head and my braid is lifting off my scalp. And I'm like, oh my Lord, it's time to let go of the hair. Mm -hmm. I've shaved it all off and took pictures and videos. The kids were there and um, I put that online. So, mm-hmm. you know, I found more strength in that and putting it out there, you know. Right. So I think you are one of the most courageous women I have ever <laughs> met and talked to. And in fact, I love for us to do something together, um, if not this month, this coming up next year, maybe during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so that we can bring more um, light to it from a Christian perspective and talk about how faith influenced you. And maybe we can 
you know, partner with someone and, and maybe give donations or something that would be helpful for people going through um, difficult times. But that's something, you know, we can talk about on the side. But if for you sure. were to give a final message, well, first of all, you've mis- mentioned a lot of groups that you work with. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yes. if someone was struggling or someone just really needed information, where would you tell them to go? Where, where, where can you send them? Uh, we'll send you to Mommy Has Breast Cancer. We're on a, a hiatus a little bit now, but we do still serve the community. Um, the big one, I would say, just because it it encompasses like all of us and the other ones is the cancer support community. Um, is there a website is or a link for that? Um, I believe it's cancersupportcommunity.org. Okay. And there's one in Cincinnati. There's in the, I was told by a friend who went through a different type of cancer from college, and she's in Michigan. So if your podcast, you know, you're listening, just look for Cancer Support Community, the American Cancer Society. A lot of people are aware of them when they do the big walk every year and support mm-hmm. it. But, um, yeah, those are where I would start. And a lot of them have trickles of other organizations. There's oh, thousands of places that are helping throw money and research and support for this because, you know, cancer changes everything. Uh, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So one other question I did not ask, was your church where you um, are a member, mm-hmm. was it influential at all in supporting you through this? Did, did yes. they come to the rescue or did they come to your aid? Yes, I'm a member of um, Crossroads Community Church, um, Crossroads Church here in Cincinnati and many locations across plus an online community. And I was very active. I was um, serving in the kids club. So the kids club team has come and prayed with me and, you know, came to the hospital, the church itself, um, pastors praying over you, just very faith filled in that way. Um, that for me was the biggest piece of it. Um, part of a community group. We have small community groups. And so the groups, um, individual people just helping and doing um, if need be as necessary. So, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um I think just the nature of how our church is set up was really helpful. Um, Big church, you know, dark, you know, so if I just wanted to go and just sit in the back corner, I could go and just get my time with God and then go home and not feel obligated to have big, you know, talks and and be around a lot of people because that's the other thing during chemo, you're really exposed. So Mm -hmm. um, I know this pandemic really brought a lot of that back and especially in the middle of it, um, cancer survivors and people going through treatments Mm -hmm. um, are really struggling. So if you know anybody in that respect, I would say, reach out to them, you know, don't ask them what they need because, you know, most of the time it's just, you know, you need an ear, you need the support or the encouragement. Right. Right. And and I know we glossed over this a little bit, but before we finish, you, you ended up getting divorced somewhere in between there and that was your husband, ex-husband ever supportive or you think it frightened him because a lot of times it does change the dynamics of relationships. Yeah. And very supportive. I would say very supportive. There were times where I think it might've been just a little too much mm-hmm. um, uh, and overwhelming. So I let others, you know, we spread the love. I let others help. You know, my mother wanted to help. Other people wanted to go with me to treatments, um, kind of take a little bit of the burden off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, did, it does change. There's a, a piece of it that does change from an intimacy level. Um, so I would, I would that, say definitely. You know, you're sick, it's like, go away, you know? It's like that. Well, and not even that, you're, you're toxic. Mm-hmm. People talk about people being like toxic 
personalities. You know, if you're physically toxic because of the chemo, um, drugs are toxic. <laughs> so there is, you know, there's that. Um, and then, of course, the side effects of breast cancer bring along a lot of other stuff. I've had to have a um, complete hysterectomy because of side effects of a drug I'm taking and other things. So it does, um, you know, it can wreck that. And so mm-hmm. I think people who are able to make it through that, you do hear of a lot of breast cancer survivors and patients going through divorces after that is one of the things that I saw beforehand. And, you know, you kind of hope that for the best and um, continue to try to do your best. But at the end of the day, like I said, you know, when someone's not happy, you don't want to hold them hostage. And I personally didn't, especially, you know, having gone through, you know, my own mortality. So mm-hmm. I tell you what, and I've said it several times during our conversation, you are one of the strongest, <laughs> faithful women that I have ever met. And God bless you. I'm praying you. long life for you, that God continue to make you a voice for those who may be struggling with similar and same situations that you have. Um, if there is ever anything that, you know, guidance we can offer, we, we are more than welcome to spend that time. I want to spend more time with you. you know, I think I've spent more time with you right now than I have in our whole time of knowing each other. But oh, no. I, <laughs> I feel like I, I just know you in, in a very... Um, personal and introspective way of, of getting to understand someone who has a deep fellowship with God. And even though life can be hard and it is hard, you know, I know individuals who are struggling now with some form of cancer diagnosis and just not being able to be themselves, not feeling up to par, um, just being able, I think your conversation will help them say, okay, this is the hand I've been dealt. What am I going to do with it? And so exactly. I've got to move forward despite keep moving forward. Right, right. And I, <laughs> oh I think God. that's really the message. Just yeah, keep my moving life forward. in places moving and grooving. <laughs> <laughs> moving and grooving. I like that. My sister has mm. one that says, find me. And I thought, well, you're not gonna find your car if, <laughs> just based on that. But that's, that's a whole nother subject. But you are moving and grooving, and I know All you're right. moving and grooving with the Lord. I pray yes. that those that have been listening have heard someone who has strength, who has confident faith, who is steadfast, unmovable, and abounding in the word of the Lord, and one who is not giving up. Um, and it's going to work until that day that God calls you home. And I know, I am very confident he's going to say, well done, good and Thank faithful you. servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I just know he's going to say that. But right now you got a lot of work to do. So until that time, you got to stay busy. I want to thank you for your time. I'm praying that God continue to bless you and watch over you. And for those of you listening, brothers and sisters, God bless you. And be sure to see the sunrise, the S-O-N, to see Christ in everyday situations. God bless.